Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, episode 40 of our 24-minute recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. And of course, to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, why not? Tell us what you think. And follow us on Spotify. So, because we had a day off yesterday, we're coming back with a probably a full 24-minute recap before we go to the live. Both LA teams were in action tonight. Last night, we had a an ABC primetime game between the Warriors and the Nets. And then this morning, we had the Celtics against the Wizards. Two dime dropper teams on that one. And then yesterday, the Suns and the Sixers. I did get to watch that, so I will be talking about it. Let's start out with the Clips, my Clips. The news came out today that Kawhi was going to miss the game with a left, I think it was a leg contusion or something. We did see him, you know, check out of the game early in Chicago for a second. Even though he came back and looked good, I guess they just wanted to take precautionary measures, especially with the uh, game against Miami tomorrow. And, And... I thought I was nervous, you know, just without Kawhi, without Paul George, how are we going to play? You know, we we did play those games against Atlanta and Miami without them, and we did split them. And you know what I loved? The energy to start the game again was just of what a, I don't want, once again, take this lightly, but take this with a grain of salt, what a championship team looks like to start games. The energy, the talking, once again, you know, because we're, there's no crowd, we can hear, like, the voices, the talking on the court, talking, you know, switching when need be, active, making sure that everybody was on the same page. Reggie Jackson was getting over screens. You know what Pat Beverly's going to do. But I thought that the most impressive thing was Ibaka protecting the rim. I thought that he was really good in the beginning of the game, just making his presence known. He had two blocks today. And then, even though, you know what's funny is we were down like 7-2 to two and Lou was struggling in the beginning. And I was like, oh my God, is Lou just going to blow this game for us? And it was the exact opposite once Lou just hit one little fading shot his signature shot going left the whole thing opened up for him he was killing in pick and roll he was getting to the rim he was getting and ones getting downhill you know he was finding Serge Ibaka on rolls when he missed he would draw two defenders which would lead to offensive rebounds Serge Ibaka had a couple second chance points even Mook had a couple second chance points but it was the Lou show it was like back in 2019 Lou Williams hitting like everything damn near 10 of 22 from the field. It felt like he was hitting like everything. 2 of 5 from 3, so 40% from the three-point line. 8 of 8 from the foul line. And then Serge Ibaka started out with a a pick-and-pop 18-footer. And then he was finishing around the rim. You know, he still had his misses here and there. He's not very good at finishing around the rim. But as long as he just makes more than he misses, I'm cool with that. 9 of 14 for Serge. 21 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks. That may have been his best game as a Clipper. It's up there for sure. I thought Batum, even though the stat sheet will never show it, was very solid, did his job, three points, only shot three times. Reggie Jackson, not bad at all either. You know, the thing is we never really let the Cavs 
get back into it. You know, they made a little run towards the end of the second quarter, cut it down to around six or eight, and then, or six points, I think it was. I think it was 58-64. And then who comes in big to hit two threes to end the half? Luke Kennard. How about it, gentlemen? How about it? Luke Kennard getting the job done with those threes to end the half. And it was big. You know, I wanted to see him get his confidence. And it looked a little better to end that half, even though I still think we should have incorporated him more. But we never let our foot off the gas. Lou Williams just went vintage in the third, doing his thing. Reggie Jackson here and there as well. And Patrick Beverly, can't say enough about him, how he makes his shots. Like, in terms of his shooting, he's extremely underrated. Like, people don't give him enough credit for how good of a catch-and-shoot spot-up guy he is. You know, we always know about the other stuff. But, you know, the man was out there playing D like he does, you know, getting his hands active. He's still on limited minutes, only 20 minutes. But he hits his open threes. He was 5 of 8 from the field tonight, 4 of 6 from 3, 16 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, only 1 turnover. Doesn't get much better than that. And then Mook came in and was just awesome scoring the ball. You know, there's no bad shot for Senior because he's a contested shot maker. And he was in those contested threes tonight. 23 points, 7 of 14 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. 5 of 5 from the line to go along with 6 rebounds, a steal, and 2 blocks. Marcus Morris Sr. was awesome tonight. Terrence Mann, great energy in his 20 minutes. He had 8 points and 6 rebounds. You know what he's going to bring to the table. And just and quite frankly, the Cavs just aren't a very good team. They're just not a very good team. So I'm just really happy that we... And I have to say, though, obviously, no Andre Drummond, no Kevin Love. So it's not like we were the only ones shorthanded. They were shorthanded as well. And I think that we did a pretty good job overall. Our energy was right. Our communication was right. And you got to give the coaching staff a ton of credit. They were so animated on the sideline, too. You love to see that. Ty Lue is just doing a great job with these guys. And you know what? We're a great team. We just aren't healthy, you know, right now. I, I really think that we would be right there with Utah right now if we not gotten hurt. And here's the thing. We're only a couple games behind. There's no reason to believe that we sh can't get the number one seed. You know, if Donovan Mitchell misses five games or, you know, they lose Gobert for contact tracing, that could be lo losses right there. So you can't just settle. Let's not say, oh, we're going to get the two and three seed. Let Utah run away with it. This isn't the 90s. This isn't Stockton and Malone. Let's put pressure on these motherfuckers. So great win. I'm really happy. Great night to be a Clipper fan. Clipper Nation. Give me, you know, keep spamming the comments. Tell me what you think of the episode, uh, the, ep I'm sorry, the episode tonight. The game, big win for the Clips. That's three in a row. Patrick Beverly, fun fact, has not lost a basketball game since January 8th against the Warriors. He is 8-0 ever since. So for all the guys that think all he does is foul, well, the numbers don't lie. Anyway, let's move on to the Lakers. I didn't get to really watch the game in depth, but I was following the game. I was watching it on my computer. And, man, is that why we only have 44 people in the live tonight? Laker fans are, you know, in shambles right now because it was a very even game. And then, all of a sudden, Anthony Davis went down. And we know that he's been struggling with an Achilles, Achilles tendonitis. And to see him, you know, grab that Achilles and it looked like he re-aggravated it, it's sad, man. Because, you know, I'm a basketball fan. We're all basketball fans. We don't want to see players go down like that. 
And I thought the team just really was deflated after. Like, the Lakers just looked distraught. Like, I every time I turned onto my screen, the Nuggets were getting open threes. From what I heard on Twitter and what I saw and somebody I trust's opinion, Marquise Morris was god-awful tonight. And once again, he's been just god-awful this season. I'm going to call it again. He was a bubble imposter. He doesn't shoot like that. He's not Marcus Morris Sr. Nothing. So all those Laker fans that were trying to say that, oh, we got the better Morris twin, you're fucking clueless. You were clueless then and you're clueless now. Now that comment is aging as poorly as possible because that guy's not on his brother's level. Ever since Morris Sr. went to Boston, he's been the better player since around 2017. And and Dennis Schroeder wasn't very good tonight. And I just thought the Lakers self-destructed after the injury to... To Anthony Davis. And I'm going to tell you something about AD, guys. Here's the thing. I, do I feel bad? Absolutely. You know, for him. And not really for Laker fans. Not at all, actually. I don't feel bad for LeBron at all either. Because, once again, he's chosen his team for 11 years. This is part of the game. He chose to play with AD. And here's the thing. We knew coming into it, man. Coming into Anthony Davis. Going into coming into Los Angeles. We knew what was the one concern with his career. Injuries. He's always been fragile. He's always missed a couple games a season. So the fact that he hadn't been injured seriously like this, and it took, you know, a year and a, like about a year and a half for Laker fans to see Anthony Davis go down with anything, is pretty surprising. I was shocked that he played like so, he was so healthy last year throughout the season, throughout the bubble. And, you know, I don't want to hear Anthony Davis out for the season or anything like that. But would I be sad if he missed a couple weeks? No, we need to come. I mean, this would be great for us to gain some ground. It would be great for the Lakers to lose some games, lose some rhythm. However, this does give LeBron more incentive to boost that MVP campaign. Uh, Somebody else we need to start talking about, though, in the MVP that we just keep neglecting and I've kept neglecting, Donovan Mitchell. His stats are fantastic. His team's playing fantastic. You know he's running the show. And, you know, just because his stats don't pop off the page, you know, 24-5-5 is still fantastic. In other eras, that'd be even better. But that means he's making everybody else better around him because that will be always shown in in the record. So Donovan Mitchell needs to start getting consideration for the MVP as well, in my opinion. But, yeah, we don't want to see AD hurt. Get well soon. Uh, I, I do honestly do hope that they are cautious with it and he misses some games so we can gain some ground and maybe the Lakers take some L's. And, you know, LeBron loses some games as well. That'd be nice. But we'll see, man. I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron puts a team on his back and just wins a couple games here because... He's LeBron James, man, and he's great with this more with less. He's the king of more with less. But, yeah, at the same time, guys, Anthony Davis has been injury-prone, so this was going to come at some point. He was not going to stay healthy for two years in a row. It's just it's just not possible. But, anyway, let's read the lines. I thought the Nuggets were really good, though, or better. Nikola Jokic, 23 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, a triple-double, which has become the norm for him. Paul Millsap was good whenever I looked. He was scoring on guys. 10 points for him. Jamal Murray, Better, as we said, this team runs on Jamal Murray. 25 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, 7 of 15 from the field, 4 of 10 from 3. Compazzo, thought he was really good off the bench. 15 points, 4 assists. LeBron James, 22, 10, and 9. Sorry for the fantasy boys. One assist away from a... Triple-double. That's a loss for the Lakers. They dropped to 21-7, and and their winning streak is now snapped. We will see them in the next game. Let's move on to the Celtics. Oh, my Lord. Celtics fans, I've been very generous in terms of, oh, it's just, you know, the, the, the big three hasn't played much. You know, 
uh, Kemba hasn't been healthy. But man, oh man, it's time to start being concerned. The Celtics are now a team that, you know, has been improving every single year with the exception of that Kyrie season. They're 13-13 and 13 through 26 games. I know there's been a lot of injuries. I know Marcus Smart's not been playing. But what I saw today was completely, completely porous effort. A lack of intensity is an understatement. They didn't want to play. They disgraced the jersey today, the Celtics. And that's a big deal. It's not like disgracing this, which has been disgraced for decades. The Celtic uniform means a lot. I know it's just one game, and I know I'm not a Celtics fan to even say that type of shit. But if you're a Celtics fan, man, and you lose to the Detroit Pistons, that should be a loss where as players you come back and say, okay, we're not about to lose to two bad teams in a row, the two worst teams in the conference. And not only did they lose, they lost with zero dignity. You know, they made the Wizards look like a good team today. They made it look like they actually played defense. They made it look as if, you know, oh, they're just a solid team. We didn't play well. The Celtics had no effort. They had no intensity. There's no communication. It was the exact opposite of the Clipper game tonight in terms of them being the opposite of the Clippers. Jalen Brown, ever since he's come back from his injury, he's been a little poor on defense for his standards. You know, he's been late getting over screens. Beal was coming off screens, and he was getting a step ahead of him, getting what he wanted. They couldn't guard Beal. And tonight, I got to give Beal credit. Those 30 points weren't empty today. I could feel it. They couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop him. Other guys contributed. Here's the thing. Westbrook's stats may have not looked good, but he actually played defense tonight or today. He played defense. He found guys. He rebounded. He did the little things. And, you know, the self, Jason Tatum, he did not come to play today at all. No effort on any end of the floor. And here's the thing. The Celtics are not deep. You know, I thought that losing Hayward wouldn't be that big of a deal. But... It's a big deal because they haven't been healthy. Without This is the type of game that was begging for Marcus Smart. Begging for him. Because they needed an enforcer. They needed somebody to look like they gave a shit. They didn't give a damn today. They didn't want to play. They didn't deserve to take the court. The Wizards getting the win. I don't even need to go into details about the Celtics. They were so bad. And, you know, I was, I was wrong. Because if they're injured, the Hayward loss is going to be big. But, yeah. Seriously. Jalen Brown at 25 points, yeah, not good enough. The only plus I can say was that Kemba looked better than he has in the past. Two games in a row, he's been better. They haven't resulted in wins. The Celtics went so deep into the bench. Part of it's because garbage time. Let me tell you how many players played off the Celtic bench today. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine players off the bench that combined for a grand total of 28 points. They scored 91 as a team. And you know what? It's time to start asking some questions, guys. I'm a, I am really like Brad Stevens. But it's time we start looking deeper into these things. This team is regressing right now. This team has no offense. It's just Kemba, Jalen, and Jason Tatum taking turns doing high pick and roll. And then late in games, it resorts to them doing that. When they take time off the shot clock, they get it down to 10. And they take turns doing that while Jalen sits in the corner. And when the defense does a good job and they're allowed to get a little more physical and, you know, Tatum and them are forced to kick it out to, to guys with 2-3 and three on the shot clock. And then it takes, you know, tough shots. And then it rinses and repeats. And then the Celtics lose close games. The defense is all up to effort. I'm not blaming that on Brad. But... 
This has gone a little stale, guys. I'm not saying fire him, but Celtics fans, let me know what you guys think. Like, is this okay? This is regression right now. This is a lot of injuries, I understand, but you can't tell me that this team looks motivated every night, even close to it. You can't tell me that this team runs real offense every night. They just literally run high pick and roll. And when T comes in, he does the same. And when Peyton comes in, he does the same. There's no ball movement. You know what I'm saying? There's there's no off-the-ball movement. Tatum and Jalen stand around. It's, it's really looking bad right now, guys, for the Celtics. They need smart back ASAP, and they need to get their shit together. They need to play better. Tatum and Jalen need to make a statement here. Anyway, I'm going to give the Wizards credit, though, man. They played a great game. Let's move on, though, to the Nets and the Warriors from yesterday. I thought this was an interesting affair going into it. We had the Nets start, no DeAndre Jordan. So the Nets started out with Durant, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Bruce Brown. The Warriors started out with the same small ball lineup because they don't have their centers with Wiseman out and Looney out. Draymond, Wiggins, Toscano, Anderson, Curry, and Kelly Oubre. And the both the both of their intentions were the same. Switch everything, small ball. There was not one big man in the game at any point. I don't really know if that's real basketball. <laughs> it's today's NBA. It is what it is. But here's the thing. It started out okay in like the first eight minutes. And then the rest of the game was just a complete outclassing of the Warriors by Brooklyn. And here's the thing. When Steph Curry's not hitting his shots, and he still finished 10 of 17, but he was 2 of 9 from 3. And when the Warriors, who their best player is, you know, the best three-point shooter in history, and they shoot 26.5% from 3 and 49% in the field, not going to win games against a great team. And here's the thing, that switch everything strategy, the reason why the Nets may be the greatest team in history when it comes to beating switch everything strategy, and when I say history, it's because the switching everything strategy has not been as prevalent as it is in today's NBA. But the reason why I say they may be the best is because they have the, the, the switch everything forces you to go one-on-one because it doesn't let you get downhill and get the defense in rotation. So to have the three of the best, arguably the three best, one-on-one players in the NBA makes it so that you can switch guys, but one-on-one against Harden, you're getting cooked. And that's what he was doing, taking guys off the dribble. And I love that Harden has been so much more, well, I don't I don't love it, but like if I was a Nets fan, I'd love it, that Harden has been so much more aggressive attacking and not settling for that bullshit step back. He's mixed it up. My problem with Harden is he gets too reliant on that step back. He's been so much better about it so far with Brooklyn. KD started out slow, but he got into it. But Kyrie Irving, man, he was putting on a show. He, doesn't, he can score in so many ways. His layup package is all-time great. Both hands. I mean, and you know what the funny part is? The James Harden kept doing high pick and rolls with Jeff Green. And before the defense could even switch, Jeff Green was slipping the screen. I don't even know how many times James Harden found... Jeff Green on these ridiculously nice bounce passes, sometimes in between the defenders and sometimes around the bodies. And, you know, when players throw these bounce passes around bodies, those are the toughest that I can tell you, you know, as somebody who considers myself a dime dropper. You know, passing around bodies, you know, you need to put whip and curl on that shit. So Harden was doing that. And these are NBA players' bodies, so that's even harder. Seven-foot frames. So Harden was was just fan, fan, Fantastic. Just fantastic. 
And he was, every time they they uh, tried to switch the screen, Jeff Green would split. He, I mean, sorry, he would slip, and Harden would just thread that needle. And there were so many good looks coming from that. They were just carving him apart. I just think James Harden was carving him apart, like straight-up surgery. So that was the end of it. The Nets just completely outclassed the Warriors. The Warriors need, like, a, a master class for, for someone, uh, for Steph Curry to beat teams of that caliber. The Nets, you know, guys, it's time to start taking them a little bit seriously. That switch-everything strategy in today's NBA with non-skilled big men, as we talked about, is the NBA getting better and better? And by the way, a special shout-out. It finally, first part, hit 1,000 views today. Thank you so much for the support on that video. It's looking better every single day. Go watch it if you haven't. I put so much time and effort into it. We got to get that bit. We got to get every single part to 1K though. But yeah, man, we got to start taking the net seriously. With when it comes to this switch everything strategy, I think Anthony Davis and Jokic and Embiid are like the three clear guys that can exploit it. But Brooklyn. So let's read the lines. By the way, final score 134 to 117. The Nets winning by 17. They move on to 16 and 12. Warriors 14 and 13. Kevin Durant 20 points, five boards, six assists on eight of 19 from the field. James Harden 19 points, eight rebounds, 16 assists. And yes, that is accurate because he was actually threatening the needle like crazy. He had the highest plus minus of any player on the team, plus 28. For me, he was a player of the game. He was six of 11 from the field, five of eight from three. Kyrie swerving, 23 points, 10 of 17 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 5 boards, 4 assists to go along with it. And we've been talking about it since the very beginning of the trade. Kyrie's playing the 2 guard, he's not playing the point guard. And Bruce Brown, very solid game as well. 18 points, 8 of 12 from the field. Jeff Green was fantastic, I think he's been great all year. 14 points, 6 rebounds, 5 of 6 from the field. Tyler Johnson even came in and given him, given him a boost lately with threes. Three of six from three. That was all the shots he took. Nine points. Joe Harris with 15. Every net starter, 15 points or more. Curry, 27 points, as I said earlier. Wiggins, 17 on 7 of 15. But just not enough scoring for the Warriors to keep up. I'm going to end it with the 76ers and the Suns. And it was a very even game in the first half. You know, the Suns were clearly feeling what it was like to go up against Embiid in an MVP caliber season right now and an improved defensive team in the Sixers. And by the way, I'm not going to be... I've been saying that I think that Drew Holiday has been the best defender in the league that I've seen, but you know who else needs to be fully in conversations for Defensive Player of the Year? Ben Simmons. You know, he's... He's kind of given, the Sixers have done a good job of, I think in my opinion, just kind of giving up that Ben Simmons is just not improving offensively. And I guess that's just not going to be his his thing. But for him to be a defensive stopper and like exert all his energy by being the guy that guards the best player on the other team, that's huge. And that's that's big because he's so long and he has great lateral movement, man. He can move his feet. So he was guarding Booker for the majority of the night and he was doing a pretty good job of that. But in the end of the third quarter, the Suns turned it up. And you know who it was mainly? Devin Booker. Since he came back, he's been a menace. And since he came back, the Suns have like not been losing. I need to figure out the stats on this because I, I, I should post it on Twitter because Devin Booker, he's been killing it. He was getting to the paint, you know, getting in pick and roll, but, you know, and put the six, uh, the Suns up by a couple points, you know, going into the third quarter, put him up by five. And in the fourth quarter, it's that same combination, guys. 
Chris Paul and Devin Booker to end games. Too good. Devin Booker was even going at Ben Simmons one-on-one and giving him the business. At the end of the day, as great of a defender as Ben Simmons is, Devin Booker, man, he's the real deal. I thought Cam Johnson hit some big shots. Three of four for him, nine points off the bench. But the big lift that the that the Suns got, Dario Saric. Coming back from injury, so did campaign. But Dario Saric, he was getting uh he was cutting, he was cutting to the basket well, picking and popping well. You know, he was actually match, you know, forcing some turnovers on Embiid. He had four steals, guys, Dario Saric. Four steals in 20 minutes. 15 points for Dario. Five of 10. He was fantastic. I thought Chris Paul was really good again. 18 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists for CP3. Eight of 13. And here's the thing about the Suns Chris Paul, you don't want him taking your last shot. Because I've seen him miss it so many times for the clips. You want him taking over the game as the game goes on. And then you want Devin Booker taking that last shot. And Devin Booker was phenomenal again. 36 points. Five boards. Four assists. 14 of 23 from the field. Three of five from three. And the Suns are absolutely rolling. I saw they got a win tonight against Orlando. I will probably watch that game. That's the only game I'll probably watch after I get off this. And I'll bring some news to you tomorrow about it. But that's it, guys. The Suns move on at 16-9. They are now currently fourth place in the West behind the L.A. teams and the Utah Scum. And the Philadelphia 76ers, 18-9, coming out West and seeing what the better conference is like. That's all for me. One minute overtime for the 24-minute recap. We're at 25 minutes. Let me know what you think of the episode. Make sure to leave a review if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Now we go to the live chat. Super Chat's turned on with the subscribers waiting patiently. Peace.